Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Engage CX Marketing webinar sponsored by Lead Forensics. I'm Jerry Brown, Chief Customer Rescue Officer at the Customer Lifeguard, and today's guest editor. I've been given a promotion this week. I'm delighted to be joined today by Paula Medeiros, who's the Senior Digital Marketing Manager at Oracle, Sam Roberts, Demand Generation Consultant at Grow Demand, Amy Kelly, Director, EMEA Marketing at User Testing, and Leah Waite, our sponsor, who is the Group Chief Marketing Officer at Lead Forensics. Today, as you probably saw from the, from the promotion, we're going to be discussing life after third-party cookies and where we go from here. But we're not going to limit the discussion to that, as we have a great group of industry professionals with us today with broad-ranging experience who will share their expertise and perspective on this and other important marketing issues relating to customer engagement. So, hello everyone. How are we all today? Excellent, thank you. Good, Lila, perhaps I'll ask you to introduce yourself as you're the, the sponsor of this, of this event and uh, we'd like to hear just a little bit more about you and your background. Yeah, so um, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the, the Group Chief Marketing Officer at the Lead Forensics Group. We have um, a number of SaaS solutions, entirely B2B. Um, I've been in the industry for almost 22 years now, which sounds really scary when I say it. Um, <laughs> and uh, But entirely tech-based, entirely B2B um, focused, working both agency side and corporate side, in fact. So um, I've kind of worked with lots of different um, different brands. So that's me. That's great. You wear it very well. Amy, <laughs> good morning. Good afternoon, I guess it is. We just ticked over. <laughs> Good afternoon. Yeah, you'll have to apologize. There's a seagull right outside my window. So if you, <laughs> if you do hear that, I'm not sitting on the beach. Um, <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Amy. Yeah, I'm the director of Amy Marketing User Testing, the leading human insight platform. Um, I, in my career, I've worked in, for large tech companies like Facebook and Google and, and smaller kind of boutique agencies uh, in London. And yeah, now heading up marketing for user testing in EMEA. We're very fast growing SaaS business and it's been uh, an exciting couple of years since I started. So yeah, I'm really happy to join the panel today and thank you for inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> Our pleasure, Amy. Thank you. Paula, handing over to you. Oh, hi everyone. Thanks, Jerry. And um, I've been working B2B tech marketing for over 10 years and I've been at lots of agencies in the UK around London, always with big clients, big tech clients. Now for the past couple of years, I'm helping Oracle build their digital strategy and uh, driving demand generation, awareness, creating pipeline, all the good stuff that us marketers talk about all the time and looking at uh, the audience, how to target them better, how to do a better job every day. And I think that's probably one of our nuances we're going to be discussing in more detail soon enough. That's it. That's a challenge for, for many marketers. Thank, yeah. thank you, Paul. And Sam, finally you. Yeah, so no seagulls outside my window uh, up here in Manchester. But um, yeah, my name's Sam. So a little bit about my background. Uh, I've got over eight years experience working with early, mid-stage B2B tech companies. So I previously managed uh, digital presence of acquired CX vendor around and rave. Um, joined early on that journey, ran through to your acquisition, um, and then led the digital marketing function at Start called Mirrorweb, helping them take um, their business from seed investment all the way through to successful Series A funding. And now I'll run Grow Demand, which is a demand generation agency. So primarily help B2B SaaS companies drive faster growth through marketing, contributions, and revenue. Um, once again, yeah, thanks for inviting me today, everyone, and I'm um, looking forward to the session. Well, that's great. Well, we're excited to have you all here. And as I said, you, you've already heard we've got a pretty diverse group of people with some really, I think, some going to have some really good, robust debate today. We will have some questions, which you will see uh, in the uh, in the in the chat panel that we're going to be asking our, our uh, panelists about. However, we will, as as the debate takes its shape, we'll go wherever that takes us. So we want to obviously focus on the the third party cookie issue, but we know that will take us to a lot of different places. But also, just to remind our audience, um, we will ask ask if you want to ask us any questions, please do so. We'll do our best to answer those questions during the webinar. But if not, we'll make sure that we respond to those at the end of the at the end of the event. Um, we will send any answers that we haven't been able to do. So let's go. Um, 
for the starting point, we were talking about third-party cookies, and there's been a lot of noise about changes in third-party cookies within marketing. And of course, marketing generally with GDPR a few years ago, and now lots of things happening, lots of concerns, of course, about things like third-party cookies. So my first question, and perhaps I'll ask Lila, because you're, you know, based on what you see from a lead forensics perspective, do you foresee the changes that will have any impact in your area of marketing? Yeah, so I think um, my response to that is going to be twofold because um, where we provide SaaS solutions to marketeers, we actually hear quite a lot about what, what you know what what's the kind of um, you know latest uh, subject matters and concerns and challenges on the on the kind of minds of marketeers um, at the moment, and and we have we have around sixty thousand um, customers uh, globally, so we get we kind of get a good sense of you know what's a what's a challenge and. We've definitely heard a lot more noise around um, this piece of, you know, even just concerns and maybe misinformation around um, third-party cookies as well. And I think there's a lot of confusion um, amongst marketeers about what that's going to be, particularly those that um, operate um, PPC campaigns, social media campaigns, programmatic and performance kind of um, anything, you know, in, in that kind of regard from a digital marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Uh, the big thing and then obviously we have our own experience from our own digital marketing perspective as well and because we do use um lots of um different tactics associated with digital marketing and i think that um so effectively what's happening is um that that google are are kind of getting ahead of the game so there's no kind of like um uh legal situation with regard to this third party cookie piece at the moment they're tying they're sort of um jumping if you like before they get pushed ahead of the new e-privacy regulation coming out um due to come out in a couple of years um it has actually been pushed back a couple of years um already due to lobbying um and so it, it might well be delayed again but i think google are getting ahead of that game they're actually following in the footsteps of um Firefox and Mozilla as well, um, who have already blocked the third-party cookies. So the the piece here is that third-party cookies will be disappearing, but it's actually being replaced um, with cohorts. So Google are still looking um, to um, profile, if you like. So instead of doing individual tracking, they're going to profile and allow advertising um, based upon um groups of behaviors, so anonymized um, behaviors. So it's, this isn't the end of, um, you know, online advertising as we know it. And of course, for as many challenges that this piece presents in terms of um, uh, kind of the, the question around um, uh, a privacy and an individual's um, preferences and all that sort of thing, it also ensures huge amounts of relevance, um, you know, and it helps um, audiences to filter out any noise um, and so what we're looking to do is to navigate that and I, I do um, align with this I do think there is a, mu- a movement towards um, I guess more targeted rather than broad brush um, marketing um, we've seen a huge um, uplift in um, ABM and people getting really marketers getting really really serious about ABM how they can humanize their their marketing um, in, in in a much more targeted way than ever before and um, we're really focusing down on um, uh, ICPs and so ideal customer profiles much more so which will help to hone our, our spend and things so I wouldn't say that um, you know we're we're worrying if you like about this piece um but it's certainly giving us a, an opportunity to review what we're doing and and kind of maximizing our um investment if you like and and kind of just looking at well, how can we be more human and i think people are more discerning about that particularly um you know following the last year that that everyone's had so um i think the impact for us is going to be that it's giving us a chance to review what we're doing and how we're doing it rather than being a huge impact well i think that's that's good news because i think you know clearly it's an issue that that concerns a lot of people both individuals and and organizations and paula perhaps i can ask you this is the same question but also from the Mm -hmm. perspective you know oracle being a very large organization and just thinking about some of the things that lila mentioned about relevance about targeting about humanizing you've got many different products obviously that could benefit many different organizations so so how do you see it playing out for you and at oracle yeah uh, i completely agree with lila and uh, i think she contextualized really well with the beginning of the conversation that we need to have and i completely agree with her in a way that 
is that opportunity, is nothing to be afraid of, is that an evolution of marketing. We marketers, we cannot be afraid of change. Change is always coming. We always making better products, better optimization, better everything. And I think this change specifically, it just reflects what our society is living in a way, because we need to meet the rising consumer expectation for privacy. Like we want our privacy when we are targeted and we understand a bit more of that than the normal consumer out there. And it just gives us more control in a way, uh, in my point of view. And um, from Oracle perspective, Oracle is huge. Too many marketing teams around the globe, international um, marketing the mix, languages in the mix. Uh, so all that aside, I think we actually been going in a direction which is the right direction, which is this better targeting. Ultimately, that's what it is. We want to do a better targeting. And we were, we're spending millions of dollars in media in targeting wide audiences, a huge number, volumes, like the funnel is, has to be huge in order to convert within the 2 3 4% we get. So that needs to improve. We can't keep doing that. And I think this is an opportunity that we, is the first step in that direction. So we don't want to target millions. We want to target, you know, the couple of thousand who are actually interested in buying software products and services uh, you know i don't want to target my grandmother i want to target the right people well and you never know your, gra- your grandmother may be interested <laughs> but i don't think so. right. i understand what you're saying i understand what but, you're saying you know like of course that's like very out there but it's just yeah. to set the scene and, and that's what it is is yeah. go back to the consumer go yeah. back to privacy and just one more point to add which is what uh we as oracle for the past few years are doing more and more is of course, we use publishers. Of course, we use media and all that good stuff that we all love. But we are uh, in our plan, in our strategies, more and more to take the consumers to our domain, to our web pages. We mm. had in the past a strategy with loads of landing pages out there. We're not doing landing pages anymore. It's everything that OCOM, the Oracle.com, as we call it, for the past few years. That's been the drive and more and more. And, uh, and that just gives us what we need is our is the, is our first party data. That's what we need to work on. Our first party data. I want to have that conversation, that engagement, want to want to the consumer as much as I can, even though it takes whatever it takes our cycle to get to know them better. But even the starting point, it can be better than we we have right now. And I think eliminating the third part cookies that we have now, as we have now, is a very good step forward. Well, I would think, um, I'm just thinking, Amy, about the work that, that, that you do at user testing and, and the, the human, you know, what you call the human element and the it really the, the, what you call the human insight platform. I suspect this is something that's really important for you to be able to, to understand and, and, as you say, designing with empathy for, for your user. So really understanding and being able to do this in a really targeted way must be really important for you. Yeah, definitely. You, you know, you hit the nail on the head there, Jerry, the word empathy. And I think it's, um, you know, this subject matter is interesting because you think of what we've been doing with cookies. Like what we're doing is we're stalking our prey, yeah. <laughs> right? We, we Honestly, if you think about it over the years, marketers have become more and more uh, creepy. You know, we've become really creepy. And we've become really annoying. And I think that that's the thing is, is you hit the nail on the head as well, Lila, is the fact that it might be an opportunity. Instead of thinking of like, oh, my God, we won't be able to stock every single move that they've ever made and, and get all of this data on our customer, which, yes, like it might make things more difficult. For example, in the SaaS business, like user testing, we would use certain technology to see who would be interested in a platform like ours. You know, we used cognizant intent to understand, OK, if someone's looking for a lot of solutions like ours, we might, you know, try and target those companies. But um it's it's and that's really helpful but i think as a as a marketer what we've got to do is you know user testing definitely i feel like you know my two years being here now made me think very differently about how i market to people Mm. and how i understand my audience and i think that as lila said it could be an opportunity to actually get to know our customers again so i think if we could bring back to the art of marketing to understand okay who are we marketing to what are their problems and what problems are we trying to solve here and if we're, we, you know, I, I don't know about everyone else in the panel, but I've always thought there's something very creative and artistic about marketing. 
when you really are trying to think of like, okay, how am I actually trying to help people? How could I facilitate some solutions to people through content? You know, and content I think has been so important over the last few years and people have been really trying hard to stand out and it's a saturated market. You know, we're all competing with other companies to try and get attention. But ultimately I feel like personally now after just, you know, working user testing it, being so driven by empathy, knowing your customers and not relying on just the big data. Like the big data is important, quantitative insights are very important, but you have to have that real human insight in the sense of speaking to real people, hearing real voices, hearing real pain, and being able to solve that. And I think that, you know, maybe if things are changing and, you know, as you said, Paula, it's we do adapt as marketers, we find solutions, we, we crack on. And I think that that could be, you know, the beauty of this in a sense. We don't know what's going to happen. We're probably going to find out when it does and we're just going to have to adapt as we always do. But hopefully the result of this could be the fact that we do become human again and we think, okay, let's not think about it as numbers and MQLs and all these leads and everything we're trying to do for our sales team and build a pipeline. Let's think of these people as people. You know, it's not B2B, it's B2P. We're, we're trying to sell to people, right? We have to remember that. And I think that's where we have to just think, okay, let's get back to the grains of it and let, let's think, you know, what's my audience's issue? Why am I here in the first place? How can I help this person? And a lot of the time it's through things like this, you know, creating amazing conversations, getting people engaged, getting people to really enjoy listening to you rather than being badgered at every single website they go with an ad because you're tracking them. You know, let's get back to the real thing that we tried to do in the very first place, which is just to attract an audience. And demand generation, Sam, as you work in, is, you know, that's actually creating a desire to buy. How can you create a desire to buy if you're constantly just like, hi, 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 I'm here, like, you know, buy my product and, you know, trying to make it that human element again. And I think it's so important. So if anything comes out of that, of this situation, I think it could be the sense of that we all just become normal marketers again <laughs> and stop being so annoying. Well, I think, I think it, you know, that would be welcomed by all of us, irrespective of whether we're consumers or businesses. And as you mentioned, Sam, you, you know, with, with grow demand, I know one of the things that you're, uh, you like to really think about is is how to stand out in a crowded market. And what Amy's saying, you know, if, if everyone's just yelling, perhaps uh, doing it in a much more uh, controlled, polite way uh, might be a way of doing it. So what, what do you see in terms of how this is going to affect what you do? Yeah, and no, I love Amy there where you, you referenced the kind of um, creativity side. Like marketing is definitely this blend of art and science. So I think in terms of foreseeable changes, I see the B2B space very much reshifting with a focus to organic channels and building communities as well. So, you know, something that sits under the brand versus having substantial lean on external channels. If you can create a place of authority um, and make that your focus, that's going to have such a strong pulling power. You know, it, you need to create a place where buyers and customers know the only place they can get this level of quality information is from you. And the thing you know, to, just to put it simply, it's, you know, you can go two ways with it. You can go educate or you can go entertain or, you know, if you can combine two of them, even better. Um, of course, paid still has its place. This is not to say disregard it. Organic plus paid is still the best mix. But I really think the idea of building communities um, focusing on the customer versus this kind of obsession with performance marketing, and then, yeah, I think one, one point I, I always make is around, you know, marketers tend to worry about imposing tech changes, but really spare the thought that they may have not spoken to a prospective buyer in months. Um, sometimes it's three months, six months, sometimes, you know, it, it's a year. And it's like, well, if you're not doing that, if you're not having that engagement, how can you possibly deliver context mm -hmm. um, in any of your marketing, whether that's email, ads, um, you know, LinkedIn, social, whatever, it, whatever it may be. So, it's gonna, it's gonna very much look like a, a readjust to tactics and, and technology. Do not overrule core fun, fundamentals. Good marketing. Um, it's just the enabler, isn't it? Good marketing yeah. was happening before uh, third-party cookies. And yeah, I think in terms of differentiation, um, and I can dive into this perhaps you know late session, but you know, strategic narrative reframing the market, take Drift, for example, um, you know, taking a story like theirs and reframing it is very powerful because it's hard to compete on just product features today. 
um, going very specific and niching down with a problem. Again, that's another great way of differentiating. Um, and, and, and avoid the obvious. Um, so Series A fintechs, you know, most of them will have blue color schemes or websites, stock images, geometric illustrations, jargon-filled uh, websites, not to get too uh, sassy about it. But if you look at that, then you go, well, don't do that. Like, it, it's one way of shifting, again, creating that differentiation for yourself. And one of the things that um, a lot of you mentioned, and we've heard the term, you know, talking about relevance, and we, we think about, um, well, from a number of different perspectives. So, um, you know, third-party cookies are used to, to track uh, online behavior. So, so certainly, you know, we, we know that's being done now. But the, how relevant then is, 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 is what we're thinking about, you know, behavior-based advertising, especially based on what, you know, Sam just said. And, you know, how do we make sure that what we're doing is, is really, as, as Paul mentioned, you know, you've got lots of people you're trying to target. And, and if we're trying to do this and trying to make this relevant, and, you know, we're saying, you know, relevance in marketing is a benefit of all. I mean, there's no point, as, as Paula said, there's no point marketing to her grandmother if she's not going to be, you know, in, in the market for the products and services that we're selling. And so I think certainly as consumers, I know from a consumer perspective, both, you know, I feel sometimes that it's, you know, the relevance issue is really one that's being missed. So, you know, ensuring relevance is, is really important. So what can you do to ensure that you you, you can continue to be relevant while at the same time making sure you get the message across. So maybe again, Lyle, I'll go back to you and just see what, what you think about that. Yeah, sure. So I think that um, a single behavior can often be a, a total red herring, can't it? Just because yeah. you know someone has displayed this behavior online doesn't necessarily mean that they're necessarily in the market and they and they want to kind of see your advert over and over again, as you as you say, um, Amy. We, you know, we don't want to shout at someone just based upon that single behaviour. And I think that actually, um, Paula, you made a, a really good comment about the the funnel. Is that as marketeers, um, we try and chuck as many in the top of the funnel and try and get I don't know a two or three percent engagement out of the bottom of the funnel and then kind of push people through that funnel. And I think that um, you know when you think about the numbers that you need to get in the top to get anything of substance out of the bottom, it is that numbers game. And it's, it's, it's awful because you do become almost like a statistician in terms of being a marketeer. And, and I, when I started my marketing journey, I got told um, that it's the colouring in department. Um, and I spend more time in spreadsheets now than doing any sort of creative. Um, mm. Uh, but I do think that we've shifted so that every, so people and um, prospects are, become numbers. Um, and I think that actually, if we can reimagine that whole piece with marketing and actually start to become maybe a little bit more of the colouring in department that it once was and have that hybrid. I really liked, and um, Sam, you said it was it's an absolute blend of, of the arts and the science. Um I think we've we've kind of lost our way in that a, a little bit, and we are, you know, maybe a little bit numbers heavy. And if we can remember that they're, you know, our prospects are people. Um, I think that 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 will absolutely, um, you know, set us on the right track. And I think that um, we, really, if we can kind of almost reconsider that whole funnel, so that we're not looking to chuck loads of people in the top based upon a single behaviour, but we're actually looking at right, who is our ideal customer? And that is, who's our ideal customer for our business, but also what? who does our product benefit the most? Who's going to get the maximum benefit out of what we are selling? Um, because ultimately it's going to help their business, it's going to help them in some way, or, or you know, if it's a consumer, it's the same kind of um, principle. But maybe if we actually reimagine that to make sure that we're putting people that we actually can help, um, in the top of the funnel, then we can get them engaged using um, better targeted marketing that speaks to their challenges and presents a solution um, to those challenges um, in a segmented way. So, you know, who, who are those ICPs? Um, you know, what, what are they facing in the market? Is that industry led? Is it, um, uh, I don't know, uh, function led? Um, and then um, we can hopefully get better conversions because actually we being even more relevant. So rather than getting, I think Paula, you were saying like two or three percent at the bottom, 
what about if we can put very many less in the top but actually get 50 or 60 percent engagement um, and then over time we're just continuing that narrative to engage that whole market because we're being so relevant um that's how i think we can continue on the relevance curve in a much more um i guess a sophisticated way well i think you're right and i and i think there, there is a bit of a dichotomy or a bit of a challenge and paula from your perspective again if you think about oracle and you know i'm recently familiar with the products you think about oracle products and services you could probably argue that that within a you know looking at the business community, you could probably say, well, everyone can benefit from our products. You know, everyone, we've got all these great things; everyone can benefit. So relevance here, uh, I guess, is is what do you do? You mentioned some things you weren't going to do, but how do you ensure relevance with with such a broad and and deep product uh, and service uh, um, portfolio that you have? Yeah, that's definitely one of the challenges. One of the things that we as marketers being asked all the time, uh, oh, can you do, can you say this? And, but then you can need to say this and target everyone. It's like, it's crazy sometimes what I'm being asking to do, but we, we keep trying to do our best. And I think, uh, I again agree 100% with Lala just said and everyone said before. And I think just to add it to what she was just mentioning about the, real targeting and really get to know the customers and the audience and do a better job being more creative and speaking a better language, not like the robotic language and a lack of really cool websites and images and branding, etc. I think it's, it's back to the how we would create relationships, real relationships and direct relationships. So that's what this change give us. We need to invest in a direct relationship as a brand with our consumers, and even within uh, the media space when you're going to have some publishers in between as well, but still the publisher will just allow you to invest in that, that direct relationship. And, and and that's a bit of what Amy said before, which I really like, is uh, not B2B, it's a B2P piece, right? So that's when you should just go more and more. And it is really hard because with this, like, huge numbers, like uh, huge volumes we're working on right now with uh, huge... Um, Spanger at the back of that number, uh, we spend our time just looking at data a lot more than we probably would like. We are, as marketers, I think most of us are really, really logical. We don't mind spreadsheets. We love numbers, most of us as well. So it's a huge part of it. Like, again, great analogy that Sam said before. But we do need to go back a bit more to the pencil, a bit more to the coloring. And I think that kind of change, that kind of evolution of marketing which is one of the nuances I think we're going to have more and more uh, move, moving forward with technology development. Because uh, it's not just about uh, what Lila said from Isa, it's, it's important the behavior and all that, because we're talking about the audience, but also I think a bigger nuance in that piece for me is that is a privacy perverse preserving piece. That, that's where we actually start from. And then on top of that, how we learn is, of course, the behavior. So that's how it adds to. But the starting point is really looking at the privacy of all of us as marketeers, as consumer. And, and that's, I think, it's really, really great. We all just have to benefit from it. And ultimately, the companies will work for as well. Because, again, you know, my spender would be more targeted, potentially less money, but better conversion, you know, great ROI. And, and I think back to also what Lila said, there's some um, research released from Google and the, the numbers are great. The conversion that they recall is 350% uh, higher than what we have in third-party cookies. So I really, really think that that's, as in marketing, we have a brighter future, developing more and more technology that will allow us a better targeting, become more human and, and all of that. Maybe, maybe we start calling it B2P business to people. We should, absolutely. <laughs> um, Amy, uh, clearly what you do from a user testing perspective, really understanding where, where relevance, you know, how relevance plays in because you, you, this must be something you really focus on to understand with any campaign, any program to make sure that it does hit, you know, it hits the right people, but not just the right people, but the right message hitting the right people as well. So, in terms of relevance, how do you how do you go about making sure that you get the right people with the right message? So I um I started a campaign uh, just as we went into lockdown in April. You know when was that? <laughs> April last year. Years ago. 
<laughs> and uh, I started this campaign where it's just basically weekly webinars and I was just getting my customers to come on and, and share some insights. And through that process, I ended up becoming like really close with a lot of my customers, which I guess like when you're not, when you're on the marketing side, you're a little bit more removed. You're not customer success. You're not in sales. You're not directly meeting them all the time. But what I realized was how incredible powerful that was to develop better relationships with my customers as a marketer, because what I started to do after that was I would actually get in touch with my customers more often and ask, what do you think of this idea? You know, and actually started to just get them involved a bit more. And I think that, you know, when we talk about the different areas of marketing, you know, customer marketing, demand gen, corporate marketing, there's loads of different things. But if you come down to like what we're, what's the goal and what you're trying to achieve, and if it is, you know, on the net new side or if it's just like creating customer champions, I think that a lot of the time your customers have the answers. So uh, that was something that I could not recommend more to marketers is actually spend more time talking to your customers, having a virtual coffee with them, whatever you want to do creating a little bit of a focus group, you know, having chats with them and get gaining the understanding of the relevance from them, you know, asking them, what do you love most about the product? You know, what do you think would be better and all those kind of things? Because that's maybe not your remit and you think, God, that's going to take too long for me. But the insights and the actual effect it can have in your campaigns is immeasurable. You know, it's, it's amazing just how much I feel like we started to create more content that was so much more relevant Instead of keeping things quite fluffy and being quite, you know, this is, you know, a topic. Yeah, let's write about it, but we don't know enough. Let's just go straight to their customers and ask, well, what are you doing right now based on this? You know, I'm not doing it. You're the customer. We're, we're helping you do whatever you're doing. But, you know, we work with a lot of UX researchers. And when the pandemic hit and they had firsthand access to customers, their CEOs were knocking on their door and saying, could you tell me what our customers are saying? And they were like, oh, my God, when did you come to the UX research department last time? And then... Um, that, just that shift and, and change of what they went through, unless we were asking people that, we would never have known. So we started to you build up a lot of like content around like your UX researcher could have the answers, you know, excuse me, CEO, but have you ever asked the person that speaks to the customers all the time? And, and I know that obviously, Jerry, from your work, you would have worked a lot in the service and, and realized like a lot of the time your customer service people would have the answers. And I think it's about trying to gain the insights, just not from your typical tech and just going onto dashboards and all that kind of stuff connected to what I said earlier was, you know, if you're, if you're spending that time understanding what is the content, your customers that you have already, you know, don't have to do, do all this extra work to go to net new and ask them what they want, but just ask for an introduction to your existing customers and say, what kind of content would you like to see from us? What kind of activations do you think would matter? How do you feel about the amount of emails you get from us? How do you feel about this? And just asking that. And I think it's, completely changed how I market I'll never go back to the same way I marketed ever before because of how much that impacted how I feel about the campaigns I create because of my customers I think it almost answers the question about uh, you know third-party cookies using you, you know used to track online um, uh, behavior and we're saying actually no we don't need to do that we you know we if we're more intelligent and as you know we've all said more human about this then and, and as you point out, Amy, asking people, what, what, what works for you? Uh, nobody has asked me this. Uh, you, know, you, you know, we all get buried in all this kind of stuff. And I think, Sam, from your perspective, I know, again, you know, what I said earlier about standing out in the crowded market and the work that you do. I know that, that a lot of the focus is, is how to acquire customers, you know, faster. How do we do this faster? But we've also got to do it better, as, as, as Amy and, and Paul have mentioned. So, you know, where do you stand on this whole issue of relevance and, and how do you help your organization? your customers really get down to making sure their messages are relevant to, to their users. Yeah, uh, thank you. There's so many points that all of you guys have kind of referenced. It's hard to know which one to kind of jump on and uh, piggyback, but I love um, the focus here and is, you know, we can look at click-through rates, we can look at conversions, we can look at the numbers, but as Amy sort of referenced there, it really has to come from the customer. It's like whatever value proposition you're bringing to the customer, whatever that landing page headline is, the value of that piece it should always come from the customer the piece that comes afterwards the, the the measuring of how that performs on the page the tech side that comes after it's not the leading thing that you should go with and it's interesting actually i think you know it's, it's almost worth i think considering kind of how we got to this place of having this um this huge focus on on tech changes like this and 
or is it going to damage our marketing funnel, et cetera, et cetera. And I think part of the problem is, I think a lot of tech companies have an issue with convincing leadership to do more things that technically can't be measured. So right now, because of technology, we generally have an attribution for everything, don't we? Like we like to say, oh yeah, well, you know, this was generated from Google organic or organic social, wherever it may, whatever channel it's come from. But actually, if we think about attribution models um, in, the, in, in the South, they're actually broken. So I think something that I always um, get, well, suggest to companies is it's actually much wiser to lean on a manual form of attribution. So asking sales, ask the actual buyer that's come to them, how did you hear about us? Where did you hear about us? Oh, it was the podcast. Oh, it was that discussion you ran on X. It was the fuss that your CEO made on this controversial topic on LinkedIn. Because you can conduct activities and someone can come through on the website, convert, but they may have heard about you through a podcast. They may have, it may have been a, a conversation um, between two peers. Do you know what I mean? So I think this, this emphasis of just focusing on numbers, performance marketing, um, creates this vacuum where leads need to be generated. We need more leads. We need more leads. We need more leads. And here's what drives success. But there's a mismatch. There's a mismatch going on here. And I think what we're going to see with this is it, it, it's a positive move with third party. It's actually, this is a reminder that you probably need to take a step back. And if this is having a big impact on your activities, it's actually probably suggestive that you need to refocus and come back to fundamentals of good marketing. I think what you, know, what you and, and others have been saying all along is that not only is there life at the third, third party cookies, but there's a really great life at the third party cookies. And it's, as I think we've all said, I mean, I don't even going to restate it, but just to, to do it anyway, is that the things that you were probably already doing, and perhaps some of the things I, I know some, a lot of the discussions I've had with people about customer experience and customer engagement broadly, especially during the pandemic, has uh, has definitely amplified many of the things you've been saying. You know, we've, we've learned, we've, we've gone out, We've, we've got to start asking people. Uh, a lot of things I talk about, about CEOs and managing directors going in, whether it's the contact center, going out on the trucks with their team, whether it's asking colleagues or asking customers, it, it feels like this is going to become the way of the future, which I think is good news for all of us, you know, whatever side we, we sit on. And I sorry. think that, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, just, just I did forget one thing to say as well, is yeah. um, from the B2B marketing perspective, I forgot a very, very critical team that you should talk to a lot is your sales team. <laughs> because yeah. I, I definitely think that something as well from the B2B, B2B marketing perspective, like if you're talking about relevance and you're talking about what works, your sales team probably know that and they're too busy to tell you. <laughs> so if you have a really good relationship with them and you're able just to ping them or grab a coffee with them, whatever it is, you know, um, and just ask, what do you think has actually been working? Uh, what feedback have you got, perhaps? And, and those sort of things, I think that they are really critical for frontline team who will be getting that insight. So from, if it, you know, B2B marketers are listening to this and thinking, obviously, yes, we can. We know we can go after customers and get those intros. Never, ever, I know there can be friction between marketing and sales because it is always like, I, I need more leads, I need more leads, I need more leads. And you're like, I'm working my ass off to get you leads, but, <laughs> you know, bear with me. And yeah. a lot of the time it's like, okay, let's switch conversation. Let's have a chat about what's working, what's not. And could you share some insights of what the market has been saying to you and what people, how did they even come into that conversation? It says lead campaign on Salesforce, this thing, but I don't understand why that doesn't match up to this. So I, that was just the one last thing I wanted to highlight was the fact that the sales team relationship is super powerful yeah. as well. Well, it's really important. And of course, everyone knows that nothing happens around here until somebody sells something. Right. I mean, that's the, but I mean, I, I say that and you're right. I, when I talk about frontline, I mean, anyone, anyone that, that uh, that's interacting. And of course, the, you know, the great, the great comment about, uh, you know, strategy <clears throat> really falls apart with the first contact with the enemy. I mean, some people think of customers as the enemy, which of course is wrong, but Lila, from your perspective and, you know, think about what Amy just said and thinking of, you know, sort of other tactics. And it sounds like that, from, uh, you know, especially given what you do when you think about forensics and you think about what forensics means in the in the traditional sense, you know, looking at every aspect, bringing in everyone that's involved in it. I'm sure that must play very, very nicely into the work that you do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to come back to this kind of um, arts and science piece again that, that Sam, that you mentioned, because I'm a really big believer in making sure that you're, you're um, mapping your, I, I, I'm going to say it again, ICP, ideal customer profiles, um, and then creating really compelling benefits-led, um, uh, you know, ch solutions challenge-led um content um, and it might be that you don't get that conversion of that first bit of content but the idea is that you're looking to add value to your icp you're looking to help them you're looking to nurture that relationship um, i think amy you talked about the importance of relationships earlier and i think you couldn't be more right whether it's with your customers but also with your prospects because they might not be customers now but in a year's time or two years time they might be and so those that relationship build goes kind of both ways um, I think then it's really important to um, uh, not just create content and hope it sticks. Um, you've got to look at the engagement. You've got to look at the traction it's driving. You've got to look at the interest levels. And that can be both um, on individual one-to-one -one kind of conversations, but also it can be looking at the metrics as well on, on, on those um, pieces, you know. So you can um, kind of marry the um, quantitative and the qualitative together. Um, and then when you're monitoring, uh, monitoring that engagement, of course, um, there are there's lots and lots of different um, you know tech out there that can help with um, monitoring um, you know the engagement through particularly um, you know ABM type campaigns and that sort of thing. Um, you know, lead forensics can help with monitoring your website traffic via um, business IP tracking. So nothing to do with individuals. Um, you know, Paula, you were saying about privacy being so important and I think people are significantly more concerned with that now so but if you're tracking at business level to track the engagement that's going to track your kind of um, you know your holistic um, kind of uh, stakeholders within that business and so I think that you the best tactics are to employ both um, highly or to segment your audiences first of all consider their challenges line up the solutions to those challenges Consider what content and um, helpful content, not like bye 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 content, but helpful content you can take into that market and then monitor that engagement through the holistic journey. So end to end, you know, how are your ICPs um, responding to what you're sending out um, and, um, and, and marrying that quantitative and qualitative together. So you're kind of marrying the, the stats with the conversation. So um, that's. Um, you know how I think we can become, you know, so much more relevant and um, and and kind of gain turn almost like this challenge that we're facing right now into the positive and actually into the ultimate business benefit. Because if you get the right customers through the door, they're not just going to buy um, immediately, but they're going to retain um, and they're going to be customers over, you know, the the long term. And that's who you want. You don't just want the people who are you know, going to see no benefits from your product um, and, and disappear. You want the ones who are ultimately going to be able to benefit from whatever it is that your product does. And you want to go on a, a kind of a lifetime journey with them because they're seeing huge value. Um, and then obviously, as your organization, you benefit from the lifetime value of that. Well, I think that's a, that's a very good point. And again, uh, all of thinking of, of Oracle and the products and services you, you have, and you think about in the ERP market specifically, you've got a product and solution there that really you know the organizations trust you to effectively run their whole business and what lila was saying you know they're not going to just buy that this week and then go and get something else next week they, they are dependent on you to do that so thinking about what we've been talking about things like the the input from salespeople. again you've got a very large sales team out there how are you using these different strategies to make sure that again from a relevance perspective you're getting that message through and that you're thinking about, you know, as I know you are, the lifetime value of what you can deliver. Yeah. So uh, I completely hear what Amy said before about the, the engagement with the sales team and how I, I like to address as is the alignment. And that's one of the things I keep repeating because the alignment, there's always can be better. We do have some level of alignment, but again, it's large organizations are harder and harder more specialized sales team. So then when they require that you need to target my specific product, my ERP solution, that's what you need to talk about. Like, well, I can't, I have a hundred other products and you get all this 
back and forth how to do better uh, marketing and they have an opinion about it and we need to but we still need to work together we need to collaborate ultimately and it's through conversation and it's one thing that i do a lot because the type of marketing i do the digital marketing i am very top level so we do have the abms teams focuses on more strategic accounts we do have more field teams uh, focus on a specific country level and and i'm at literally top level i'm going like volume talks that's what we're trying to do my team and, and that's the hardest one but also the very important one because it kind of needs to connect with everything else so it's interesting but i i love it but we have so many teams and then what we need to do and what we do in our quality is it's just collaboration we need to keep talking to the sales team we need to keep talking to field marketing teams we need to talk to martech push for better Multi-codes, ultimately, we are really uh, dependable of the type of marketing we can do, like Oracle talks. We have so many legacy in-house that we need, and we know as fast as a startup or a new cloud-based business that we also are, but there are so many different connections in our database and our, ultimately, marketing data. Uh, we have the best products in-house. We have a amazing CX product, but even for us to use as a big company, it's really, really challenging. And and we, I think we just need to continue, continue this collaboration, continue the talk, continue the improvement. And I think that's the beauty of marketing as well. There's always room for improvement. It's like we have in our minds, okay, this would be the perfect scenario. When I never had a perfect scenario, and I can probably bet that none of you guys also had a perfect scenario to create and execute the perfect marketing plan. And we've been talking here like throughout uh, the past hour almost, all the different things we think about in our, when we put in together a marketing plan and there's so many details. And I think it just goes back to, okay, so out of the hundreds of details we can discuss and go through, like let's pick the top 10 and go through that. So which are the top 10 that really can be effective and get a nice mix of those and then keep, checking the results, keeping optimized what we're creating, going back to the customer, going back to the sales teams, going back to auto marketing results, um, benchmarks we have, and that's the best we can do. But I think ultimately what we want, what we are aiming is a better precision, more precision, better user experience and uh, data protection now as well, because this is a huge thing for us. We know that people hate being bombarded by ads. How many ad blockers apps we have out there and you probably have some in our mobiles as well because they are annoying but we wanted to do better we don't want to be annoying we want to be helpful and i think that's the flipping coin we wanted to be helpful we want to actually find the people who want our want or needs our products and services i don't want to talk to people don't want i really there's no gain in any way i wanted to find that win-win relationship i want to find that right person who really benefits using my products and services and ultimately making this world a better world for all of us. And that's what I believe in the marketing and that's what I keep pushing for. Well, we need more more of you out there, Paul. There's no question about that. Um, <laughs> Sam, from a demand generation perspective, because I know that that's a, that's a big focus of, of what you're doing. You know, what, what options do you see, given what we've been talking about, you know, getting the right people, using other people, collaboration, all of those things? What, what other things are you seeing in terms of driving demand, but making sure that you can still retain a good return on investment? And you're muted. Sam, you need to there unmute you much. There you go. Oh, sorry. Um, you're back again. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I think in terms of kind of what Paula mentioned there, um, there's always more to do in marketing, isn't there? Um, like in, it, you, sometimes the lying in bed after after a day at work, your the brain's still going. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of you know the piece you mentioned around relevance, um, if we were to take targeting even aside, consider something like LinkedIn organic activities. Like when you're pushing information out or content out through LinkedIn, that's not technically targeted. You know, you're just publishing that out into the network of LinkedIn. But so long as what you're pushing into that network is serving a narrow slice of that market, your buyer very well, then you're going to reach them. 
Um, and you have to consider what's the way that your buyers want to consume content right now. You know, what's the format? And, you know, really, if we think about, again, the last year, it's where are they scrolling? Um, we all do that, whether it's before bed or at lunchtime or whatever. So I think being active in those channels um, is very, very important. And also looking at the buyer journey and, and really saying, well, the buyer now has so much power um, to consume information and get what they want. There's, there's information everywhere. Everyone's serving it to them. So I think you really have to say, let buyers move through the journey in a way that suits them and perhaps shift out of this funnel piece where it's like, we, we've, we've obviously considered the funnel for a long time and I know HubSpot and various um, vendors have shifted their ways of thinking into more flywheel. Um, but you know, if you were to ask someone, how many people here have been put through an automation sequence and then purchased a solution? It's probably actually very few, um, and it's because it's you know it's much more complex than that, especially in like bigger organisations. Um, there's so many people to engage uh, before solutions are purchased, conversations that need to be had, procurement, whoever it may be. And I think what I would advise is um, thinking about short-term activities that deliver pipeline, and also long-term. So you can almost split a team uh, with demand generation in mind and say. To make sure that we hit pipeline, we're going to have this team here and we're going to obviously have the KPIs. But you also want to make sure you've got this long term approach where you are thinking about brand and thinking about building audience and becoming that authority in that, and, and basically building credibility in that space. And I think if you do that well, um, again, you'll be able to keep the business happy and delivering on the revenue number, but also securing your future um, by not just focusing on short term kind of wins. Um, so, yeah, and I think, as I referenced before, um, educating buyers or entertaining them, I think it's taking that approach, especially with your content, that's really going to create that audience uh, that, that you're looking for. Um, we're, uh, we're coming uh, close to the end of our, our time together. It's been very, very fast, and, and I hope everyone agrees that we've had some tremendous ideas shared as I said earlier, we've got very different people from very different places, and I think it's blended together very well. What I'd like to do is just to, to give you all a chance to sort of have a final two minutes say uh, on on sort of where things are going. But I want to sort of backdrop it with a couple of other, not so much questions, but maybe statements. You know, we think that um, uh, wonder whether whether anyone we've been talking about uh, how people. You know, you mentioned creepy as an example. But do you think B2B people mind their business interests being monitored online? And also, given what we've gone through in the last uh, 12, 15 months, um, social media, I mean, how important is that going to be going forward? So perhaps I'd like to ask you this final question and you could frame your, your answers around some of those things. And really it is, it's just, how, what, what would your top tip be? What are you going to say? You've given us lots of great information already, but what's your top tip or takeaway for consideration as other markets, thinking about all the things we've spoken about, not just third-party cookies, and and but the, the the changes that are coming, how would you how would you, what advice would you give people? So, Wyla, maybe I'll just start with you, and if you could if you could just give us your best two minutes, that would be fabulous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, I think in terms of um, social media, just touch on that one first of all is, um, we leverage that for brand. Um, we don't use it for demand gen. Um, it's for brand um, only. And you can get some demand, but largely um, people don't want to be sold to whilst they're, you know, scrolling, um, you know, uh, in their, their lunch break or, or whatever. So we use it for brand building activities. So um, I think... Um, you know, Sam, I think you are absolutely right that everybody is on social media, that you've got to influence your audiences. But um, what we what we do is we have a three-pillar approach. So if you only focus on demand gen, you're going to fall short. If you only focus on brand, you're going to fall short. So we focus on three core pillars, demand gen, brand, and advocacy. So customer advocacy. And, and like everything that we do within our marketing um, kind of uh, tactics and strategy, we're like, right, which of these pillars does it line up to? Because they're all equally important. Um, in terms of my top tip, um, I'm going to say my ICP again. It's like my, my, my acronym of the day is map those ICPs. 
um, know their challenges, tailor your communications um, according to a value add. Think about nurturing those relationships. Roll out the red carpet and consider your conversions as well. So when you get an ICP opportunity, make sure it converts. Um, I think there's a stat that 27% of our B2B inbound inquiries are converted beyond the initial stage. That's that's a shocking stat. Like If that can be 80%, then you're going to get much greater value and much greater return on your marketing investment. So monitor those conversions. It's really, really important. And monitor engagement through the pipeline. So at every single touch point, you're monitoring the engagement and the um, interest in all of your content, whether that be on your website, whether that be on a landing page, whether that be um, through media or third parties, but monitor the engagement with your value add content. So very much merging the, the art and the science together. Great, great, great way of putting it. Amy, your, uh, your best tip for us, uh, best takeaway. Um, related to the social media aspect, Jerry, I think that it kind of comes back to why social media started and it was to be social and I think that we're not being social I think mm. that we're being very like showy offy and kind of be like whose content's the best and let's just post my content constantly so I feel, I'm, I'm talking from like how I feel as a consumer of content and I feel like we could do more in terms of connecting and I think it was related to what you said Sam about building communities and I think that that's probably the powerful part there um so you know like on that side of social media yeah i think it's just like going back to what it's supposed to be be more social and be less kind of self-centered with your content and then i guess my sort of main biggest kind of takeaway and what to say today is it's just reiterating a lot of what i said already is just go back to learn your customers again you know because we've all changed in the last year or so we're not actually the same as we were we all behave quite differently now. We're very, very in, in our laptops. And you've got to just think differently about how you are marketing to your personas now that they've now we've all changed as people and we all expect things differently in France. So um, the empathy part of it, what you talked about earlier, Jerry, was really critical. You know, how empathetic are you being? Mm -hmm. And remember that actually displaying empathy for your customers is not easy. You have to work hard at it. And you have to think about how much I am speaking directly to my my audience and understanding them fully. So, yeah, I, th I think that's my main takeaway from from what I can bring to the table is just saying that my different approach since I've been working at user testing of being more customer centric and speaking more to customers on a weekly basis has helped me actually create better campaigns and content that is more relevant. Uh, so I think it's, um, you know, uh, there's probably a lot of digital marketers and people that are worried about this um, change of third party cookies. My biggest advice would be like, don't panic. It's not going to change the world. You know, you're still going to be able to do your job and you'll still be able to adapt. So if there's any issues around, obviously, retargeting, I know there's been a couple of questions come through. Um, I don't have all the answers for you right now because I don't think anybody knows exactly what will happen. But the, the good thing is just we will be able to adapt and you'll find out when it happens, which is probably still, as like I said, two years from now. So, you know, we've got time, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't don't panic, Corporal Python. Paula, final word from you? Yeah, uh, I'll try to be a bit more tactical here because I know there's some questions about I've still not fully understanding what, what the change is. But again, like Amy said, like, don't panic, you have time. But... To really understand that, I go back to your plan. Just check in your plan where you have third-party cookies right now in your digital plan. When you identify those, talk to your publisher or your ad platform or whoever is like is across the board. So it'll be social media, it will be programmatic, uh, whatever it is that you have third-party cookies that eventually go away. So start thinking now how to replace those moving forward. What is the shifts in your strategy? that you're going to have to do and you you figure out eventually that you're going to have a better targeting out of those changes. You might have less numbers, but that's a good thing as we've been talking now. And, and that would be my advice to people who are still concerned and not really understanding what it is. It's, it's not a big thing, but it will change in the long term. And more changes, like I envisage a lot more changes in the same direction. Cook is just one of them. Look how many details we have in a digital campaign, like how many technical details like that that will affect our data. And we were talking before, and uh, is uh, data is like when you 
you can slice and dice the data in so many ways that we're always trying to find, you know, the, the prettier slice to show off. And it will keep be, being the same way. But if anything, this prettier slice will get, I think, clearer and clearer without so many slices and dices. I, my, I envisage the marketing will actually just get just more and more transparent. We have more clarity on what exactly data Same. Well, I think that's a good. I think that's a good. That's a good word and a good image to leave us with transparency. And and Sam, just a final word from you before we close for the day. Yeah, I think really my final takeaway would be to just reaffirm that simple flavor. It's focus on your ability to own your channels. And you know, if you were to say, well, how do I do that? Very simply, it's find out who's telling the most interesting stories in your market, um, and then bring that to your buyers. And do it in a way that they like to consume and the channels that they like to enjoy. Um, and then kind of um, echoing the, the social media side of things. It's, you know, go have conversations with your buyers. And it's amazing through something like LinkedIn, the kind of relationships that you can build just by commenting on people's posts. You know, that's something that was just impossible not so long ago. And it can be done in such a non-evasive manner, like, or, or you know, you can deliver value with one comment to a potential buyer like never before, whereas an email outreach can sometimes be completely out of context. So I think if you focus on those things, um, you'll win. Back to personalization, back to human, you know, many of the things we've heard today. And I, I wanted to thank you all. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope our audiences have. We've heard so many different views. I think it's really helped. I know one of the questions about confusion about third-party cookies, but I think we've pretty much said, look, if, as I said, don't panic. We'll be okay. It'll be all right on the night. So, so thank you all again. It's really been great hearing from you. Uh, the webinar recording will be shared. So if you want to re-listen or if you have colleagues that want to uh, listen to this, the link will be sent uh, uh, to you uh, to, the, to the email that you registered with. And I want to thank, again, just before we log off, I want to thank a lot at Lead Forensics for uh, sponsoring today's webinar. It was great. Uh, thank you all, four of you, for, for sharing all that information. I think we all learned a whole lot more. Very engaging, and I hope we all enjoyed it. So thank you once again, and uh, let's be careful out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you all. Thanks.